welcome to another episode of Talk Gopher Buckets. I'm Luke Buer. This is Ryan James of Gopher Illustrated. Uh, Ryan, it might by any chance there be a good reason to subscribe to Gopher Illustrated right now. Like, is there any hot activity on your message board? Do you have like this thing called uh, maybe like a hot board for coaching candidates? Like, is there something happening right now in Gopher basketball? Well, I mean, Burns is talking about a few guys that got some offers from June. There's a Mississippi kid <laughs> named Wesley Miller who they who Gophers in their top three. That's pretty cool. But yeah, there's a let's check this this Gopher Outboard 1.0 that we got out right now with all the uh, things we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Honestly, it's probably been the last four weeks that we've been accumulating information on coaches and such. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at. That's the, uh, that's the headliner. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's kind of just lay the groundwork. If you, uh, have been under a rock for the better part of a month and a half, um, the Gophers really struggled towards the end. Um, you know, there was lots of speculation whether or not Richard Patino would be back. Um, today, uh, I think it's Jeff Goodman um, from Stadium tweeted something to the extent of uh, his sources telling him that the Gophers and uh, and uh, Richard Patino will be separating ways. He will be re- relieved of his duty. You know, whatever kind of um, whatever kind of term you want to use to basically say he's going to be fired. Uh, I think Henry Lake had this a couple weeks ago too, saying that it was over. Uh, I don't know. I don't really care who got it first, but um, Luke. Yeah, Luke. We meant we've been telling everybody that this is pretty much done yeah. since the first report on it since mid February. Like, like this. This kind of how it down. Like the first note we got from a source was mid February, and they basically the source basically said. Tino had to really turn things around or it was done. And and that that was mid-February. That's when we first started putting everything together in terms of coverage for basically what happened today. Um, and but as things continue to move on and continue to move on, we've had names pop up on Gopher Illustrated about candidates for weeks. And then it became obvious. Did Henry Lake come on and say, He's hearing that someone that the Cujino's not going to make it yet. But that one's on the tip of every conversation about Gopher basketball from every mm-hmm. media member forever. We're all, we all do the same things. We all heard the same thing. It's like there's no breaking news. The only thing that was different today was that, um, like, we kind of, everyone's been kind of waiting for the the message that it says, okay, it's officially it's They're moving on. And the university of Minnesota has not given that message, but what happened is all these coaching search things happened today. Penn state hired their guy, Boston college hired their mm-hmm, guy, mm-hmm. Indiana fired their guy, DePaul fired their guy, Iowa state fired their guy a half hour. ago. Steve Brom is out, you know? And like, with all that stuff going on, Minnesota had to get the note out that it's time that, you know, they, they can't, the job is going to be open and all the candidates need to know that all the potential candidates need to know that officially it's in public and they need to make it public. Now the university didn't make it public, but somebody from Minnesota let Jeff Goodwin know, Hey, Jeff, you're the person that's announcing this all, all these fires and hires throw Minnesota in there. Say we parted ways. And that way, 
Minnesota doesn't have to say they fired Richard Pitino, and Richard Pitino can look at the New Mexico job as he and Tim Miles are the finalists, and that'll be figured out in the next you know next twenty four to forty eight hours is what they've said. Like it's just a it, it's just a way to like them Minnesota being among the others. Everybody knows that the job is open. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's kind of like look back at the Patino era. Um, you know, w- what we know factually from like records, et cetera. Um, and then like maybe what went wrong and how we got to this point. Right. So when I look at, he started in the 2013, 2014 season, he came in, um, people probably forget they won an NIT. Uh, they finished seventh in the big 10 that year. Uh, they were eight and 10 that season, 23 and, um, or sorry, 25 and 13 overall. Uh, they had a good run in the NIT, won that NIT. Um, I remember sitting in a hotel room in Boston watching, I think that was an an overtime thriller too, if I remember correctly, it was super late. Um, I had been traveling for work. Um, you know, so it got off to a quick start. He had, this was only Richard Patino's second year as a head coach. Right. Um, so things seemed to be pointed in the right direction. They were going to have a lot of guys back. And then season two, they kind of came in with a little bit of a thud at 15 or 18 and 15, uh, six and 12 in the big 10 and then tied for 10th. Um, from there on, I think we. this is where we kind of got to start where maybe things got wrong, Ryan. 2015-2016, this was uh, the season that they were 8-23, 2-16 in the Big Ten. Um, they took 13th overall, numerous players suspended, um, et cetera. This is, this is really where um, things went wrong. They, this was kind of Richard Patino's, what would you say, first real big hall recruiting, and they had some issues uh, to accompany that in that season when you you know that group that year that won eight games that was a suspended your group that was a young team and that was that was the year that you had Dupree McBrayer out there Kevin Dorsey out there as freshman um Jordan Murphy out there as freshman that was a young group and the young group was playing a lot of minutes um you know and, I, and that was kind of the year you expected that, uh, that, that you, you didn't expect too much because you knew that so much youth was going to be on the floor. The problem was the youth was, you know, Nate Mason was good, Dupree was good, Jordan Murphy was good. But, you know, you you had Bakari Panate as your starting center at that point, and Charles Bugs was your starting power forward. And it just, there just wasn't... You know, it just wasn't, uh, you just didn't have what you needed, but it was a young group and there was expectations, but you could, that the year before that was kind of the year you kind of, the, the, this, the, the chemistry didn't really roll well because mm-hmm. DeAndre Matthew went from having a really good year that first year to a bad second year. Carlos Morris, you, the Carlos Morris experiment. Did not go very well. He, he never was... really figured out how to, how to play. That, that's kind of a name for the past. Didn't really ever figure out how to play team basketball, and didn't even finish his career. Right. He, you know, he, Andre Holland was he dismissed? Ahead. If that was, if I remember correctly, he was dismissed from the team, right? Yes. You know, when you had this, in, it's just there was rocky spots. You know, he he in there, and it just it just it it just took a bit for the program. Going. But the good thing is, all that youth that had that very rough 
season, um, the next year turned into a very good basketball team. They made the NCAA tournament and got a five seed. Unfortunately, a team springs has lost that fourth season in the last two games, and they made some play with that bad hip in that game, and they were, you know, pretty much outplayed by Middle Tennessee. But at that point, people started getting excited. People started getting pumped up for the Richie Pacino era. And then the next year, they were expected to be even better. They started cheering 15, stayed in the rankings through December, and then, wham, you had just a rash of problems. Like Devontae Fitzgerald before that, season before that, got injured. And then you had Reggie Lynch with a suspension and Eric Curry out for the year. Eric Coffey with the shoulder. Dupree McVeigh playing hurt. And that was like the, the bad luck season. Mm-hmm. But although it was a bad luck season, that was the fourth miss in five years. And that almost that already after five years right there, even though it was some very unfortunate luck, people were starting to talk about potential I- issues with the program after year five. Even though there was like there was some of that stuff was unfortunate, you could but then while it was unfortunate, you were starting to see, well, Makari Kanate is not going to turn out, you know. You know, Devontae well, Fitzgerald is hurt and you really can't give too much. And right. It's just, you started to see some of that stuff wasn't going to become what you, what you wanted. And they, they seem to take on a number of project-type players, right? Like, whether it was Bakare or um, Gaston Jeju, like, neither of those guys particularly worked out. Um, you know, some of that's not necessarily all on Patino. Um, you know, I think Dan McHale owes, owns some of that as well. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know... They had some major hits in recruiting. Obviously, Mason, um, Murphy, McBrayer. Um, obviously, the year that the year that they got the transfer from Reggie Lynch and brought in Amir Coffey was massive. They were fourth in a very very good league, right? Um, in the Big Ten, they rightfully earned that fifth spot. Um, in my opinion, they they were a really really good team in a really good league. And I agree with you. The 2017-2018 team, um, you know, some of some of it injury luck, some of it you know character issue luck i don't know if you call it character issue luck just character issue got them into a really tough position and they were going to be a really good team if everything went right but that's basketball too right injuries happen stuff happens and you have to have depth um but the reality is in in modern college basketball the depth usually isn't there relative to what you saw in years past where if you had a couple guys go down because so many mid-majors and lower tier schools are getting really quality players that maybe normally would have, you know, played for one year or two years um, as upperclassmen at a, at a, you know, a high level power five conference. And the reality is you just, you have the ball bounce the wrong way and you have a season like 2017, 2018. Yes. And as we, as you continue to go, if you look back through the eight seasons of the Richard Pitino time here, you just you you see too many holes being trying to be filled. Yeah, you see too many. You know, we need some shooters. We go get Brock Stone. Well, that didn't work, you know. Or we need some size, and we bring in Alihan Demir, and he has to play way more than he was expected to because Eric Curry got hurt again. And there mm-hmm. was just a lot of there was a lot of spots that needed to be that they had to be filled at the last second, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And why were those spots having to be filled? Because there was too many recruiting misses. Now, right now, we're going to like, like, this is the, right here, I'm going to bring us into the next chapter. And the next <laughs> chapter is yeah. quote unquote 
one of us. You know, the, that kind of like annoying thing people say around here to over-exaggerate people wanting Minnesotans as part of the sports teams. Like, people complain about the, the Minnesota recruiting. And it's not – nobody is expecting this to be the 1993 goal for hockey team with all Minnesota players. That's not what people are talking about when they talk about recruiting misses with this team. What they're talking about is there's a lot of talent that's come through the the state of Minnesota since 2016, really 2014. We'll start there. And it it just wasn't brought in by Minnesota. And when your home area, your home area is always going to be your main recruiting base. Mm -hmm. Like, the Minnesota pipeline is Minnesota. You go back through the whole, all the history of Minnesota Gopher basketball. The biggest percentage of players that they get from places, whatever category you want, Minnesota, Midwest, surrounding states, Juco, prep school, blah, blah, blah. The number one area is Minnesota. And when you have this plenty full of talent and this is your area, you need to, to recruit it well. Not just a little here and there. Yes, they got Daniel Latour and Amir Coffey into the NBA. That's a good thing, but it's not enough. You cannot just say, yeah, they got those two, but you cannot just overlook the fact that 2017 they brought in Isaiah Washington and Jameer Harris. Meanwhile, guys who had a significant interest in being in Minnesota looked other ways. Jericho Sims, um, C.O. John, Nate Reavers. Nate Reavers, who I'll never, I really don't, I'd never appreciated the fact that his recruiting article that he made for Community Wisconsin was basically a bash Patino fest. I thought that was low class, and I still think it's low class. But at the same time, that obviously he had some interest in being here. McKinley Wright. We don't need to rehash that situation, but McKinley Wright, they chose Isaiah Washington over McKinley Wright, and then they brought in Jameer Harris instead of all the bigs I just mentioned. That's a problem. Did they do good in 2018? Yes, but they went, They offered five Minnesotans in 2019. Can't take all five. No, you mm-hmm. couldn't. But you, a couple of them want to be here, and you didn't get any. In the 2020, they seven. Can't take all seven, but you can, But the, you missed on all seven. And you had, in the ones that you wanted and you missed, you had to go find another guy. And too often, those guys that you replaced from those local kids didn't measure up. A few of them did. A few of them did. Not enough did. And that's how your overall depth, your overall depth of your program was never there. And that is the problem, and, and it's okay to go get spring recruiting and get some good ones, and Patino did do that, but you shouldn't have to use that many Band-Aids to cover up issues, and they are always covering up issues, and it never became the depths they needed. Hence why we're in this position. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the one instance where, you know, they had sustained, you know, for lack of a better term, solid recruiting was, you know, following the 2014 2015 season and then following the 2015 2016 season and then you saw the benefits of that in 2016 2017 right from then on you kind of, you kind of had some of those misses um you know in in the season in 2018 2019 where they went to the NCAA tournament and got a win against the Louisville team it was against Louisville right remind me yeah it was against Louisville um, yeah it was Louisville yeah i mean you know that that was a that was a solid team and they had some good, you know some really good freshmen and Gabe Kalisher, Daniel Oturo that played big roles on that squad too but you're right they they were too often filling voids 
um, where they couldn't get sustained high school recruiting success. No, what that kind of comes down to is a, a few things. You and I have chatted about this before, but you know where Patino struggled, and, and I don't know if it's him or the assistants or whatever. Um, you know, when they had, when it felt like they had recruiting success, it all, it always felt like it was tied to Ben Johnson, right? Whether it was long-term high school recruiting success. And that comes down to relationships. And I think the challenge that they had is right now you have to recruit these guys from such a young age and they struggled to maybe make relationships or make those kids feel like right or wrong. Uh, I don't care where you sit on this, but this is the reality of recruiting. They didn't make them feel like priorities and a sustained priority throughout. Right. You think of like Kurt, yes, Kurt and Walton. Was without, yeah. That was without a doubt an issue. And that was an issue from right away. Now, first of all, I'm not talking about the first group, which was DeAndre Matthew, um, Daquan, no, McGill, right. Joey King, Malik Smith. No, those were plug-ins. That's not what we're talking about. But you, you the have very to... first rec- you, but well, just, just your point, you have to you have to have plugins when you take over, right? That's an assumption. Yeah. Whoever's coming in, you have to assume plugins, right? But then they started yeah. plugging in after they had been in the program and built their program. That was the problem. Okay. Yes, and that first recruiting class, the first class that they ever had, we should have seen the signals from that first class. Because if you remember, we mm-hmm. hit that fall. We hit late that fall. And it was the 2014 group, right? Mm-hmm. 2014 group. And we hit that fall, and I'm just trying to make sure that was 2014. Yeah, it was 2014. We hit that fall, and they didn't have anybody committed yet. Yeah. JT Makiro had interest in being a gopher. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, 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 family, the, the family just wasn't comfortable with. Coach Patino as, as you know, being the person overlooking things for their son. Red flag right there. Yeah. Later in the fall, the first commit was Josh Martin. But think how long that took. It took forever. It was we were people starting to wonder like, when is this going to finally happen for these guys? And then, and that didn't work out. That didn't work out at all. He left right away. Carlos Morris was yeah. the next commit. That didn't work out. Nate Mason worked out wonderfully. And that's good, but that's the that's the problem. You're at one out of three right there, and then you got Bakari Kanate. Bakari Kanate was a useful backup. I'm not giving him a full, full yes sir. That was two of four, but he was one and a half. Gaston Jeju, that was not that was bad. Oh, and that then was Zach Lofton. Yeah, that was and bad. Zach Lofton and Zach Lofton took a chance on him. That didn't work out. Now Lofton was gone so long. So quickly that they they got to basically find somebody else quickly. So it wasn't but the, it wasn't that big of a hurt. But that's your first group right there, and you didn't get JP McCure because you didn't relay well. And Reed Travis had a hot interest, but he went to Stanford instead. They can they Reed gave him a chance, and he couldn't pull it over. That was bad. That right there. That was all the signals that we eventually should have saw early. We did see early, but we you know you just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. And, and, and the thing is, I think people are going to go when they're going to think about the recruiting, they're going to think about, well, they missed on Tyus Jones. They missed on Rashad Vaughn. You know, they missed on Reed Travis. They missed on Gary Trent. They missed on, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. But the reality of the situation is they don't have to get all those top end guys, but they have to get, the, no. they have to get the JP Mercuros of the world. Um, you know, those are the kind of guys like they have to get some of those guys that, you know, JP Mercuro was a phenomenal college basketball player. I, I don't know who, yes. and no one should argue, argue that he was a phenomenal basketball player, whether you like him or not as a player, he was, he would have been a great asset for the Gophers. Right. Um, 
but there, you know, time and time again, there are too many of those issues. Like you're saying, you know, like him or not, Brad Davidson is a good basketball player. Um, he's, he's a winner, right? He's a gamer. Okay. I'll disagree with you there. We could, they could do without Brad Davidson. It's, I don't like the the method of how they were, that recruitment went. Sure. You don't want, you don't want him just let it be. I mean, you can still relate to me, still talk to me, don't ignore him for a year. But Luke, to put a bow on this whole thing, it's just the recruiting wasn't consistent enough. Yeah. And there's a long list of players that aren't five-star kids that had an interest in being here, and they didn't get it done. And a lot of it had to do with a lack of relationship. Mm-hmm. And Tyrell Terry, Tyrell Terry, David Roddy, Tyler Wall, um, like uh, the Dawson Garcia, McKinley Wright, Theo John. We just went through all these guys. J.P. McCurra, Wilts Cheddar, Kerwin Wall. Like, you just go, go, keep going. Stephen Crowell, like, this, did this happen too much? Did they fill some of those misses with guys? Yes, they did. Sometimes. But there was way too many misses with guys that they didn't get, and that's your problem of depth. Like, some people were like, oh, Theo John, well, we had Daniel Latrue, we had Reggie. You know what? How much better would it have been if you had Theo John and Daniel Oturo? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, some depth. That was huge. So, anyway, recruiting is a big part of that, of why we are – yeah, I, I, I want to say though that they also like they missed on some evals, but they also absolutely nailed some evals, right? Like, th- like I I know that they got I know that they got Jordan Murphy after Shaka Smart left VCU, but he was a major upgrade over Alex Elkanen, right? Who everybody conventional wisdom said you got to take Alex Elkanen, they didn't. They were able to find a way. I, I know it was like a, a different guy decommitted or whatever, but they 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 nailed a couple. Um, they they did well, and obviously Nate Mason evaluation, Dupree McBrayer was a was a good hit, right? Like these are guys, they, these are out of state guys that they got. They were able to get some big name transfers. You and I both are on the record. Are, I don't know if you're on the record as much as me. I don't I don't have nearly the following you have. Um, but I, I'm not a huge Marcus Carr guy. Um, that's just me. He's a phenomenal he's a phenomenal player. I just don't like the way he takes <laughs> well, the way he approaches basketball um, and how he has to be so ball dominant right i don't like a super ball dominant point guard but that's consistently what patino is looking for you think back to deandre matthew nate mason was a little bit the same way um etc etc so yeah in the end they they deserve some credit they did they did get some hits um but in the same respect you know they they missed too many times in recruiting and the end of the day ryan why did they why did they move on from tubby smith recruiting that was why yeah well, they, they moved on. It was probably it was like recruiting. It got a little stale, and then there was you know the, the court non court product was it with Tommy Smith. I, as, like Tommy Smith did his job here. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to take a program that was at the bottom and make them respectable, make them competitive. He did that, but it, when it and then it became clear that it wasn't going to go anywhere else, and then they moved on. Yeah. It kind of like honestly, if. If we hadn't had a pandemic last year, I think we would, what we're doing right now, we've been doing last year. Yeah, I agree. It was just, it was just, you know, Cubby had his year six, they went on with it. I think we had Richard Pacino at year seven, they had to move on with it. Quick COVID quick. gives another year, just basically shows, there, there, yes, there were some spots, there was a positive, there were some good things, but there weren't enough of them. And okay. that's why you're in this situation. Quick, quick tangent on this. Um, that, that, season let me think maybe uh this is off the top of my head would have been 2009 2010 or 2010 2011 if royce white um trevor mbakwe 
you know, that whole squad, all those, all those players that were there, um, that team that knocked off Butler, right. Without those guys, if they're, if they win or if they're able to get that squad, do you think Tubby's still here? Uh, it would have been, it would have been the 2009, 2010 team. And that team had so much talent. They could have, they could have had a hell of a, they could have held a hell of a run. Now, I don't think Tubby with Smith would be still be here. No. Um, would he have lasted longer? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But the thing with Tubby that a lot of the people from behind the scenes said is, you know, Tubby, Tubby did a decent job, but it just, it just, it was just not, he, he was, it was well, almost in the tail end of a career and yeah. it just wasn't, there just wasn't quite the effort put in that every, that people needed for things that you want. Tubby Smith did the job he was supposed to. Yep. And he was, he's the best coach the Gophers have had since Clem Hassan. There's no doubt. But the, yes, but and then Richard Pitino was supposed to take it to the next level after that. Instead, I would say it was a minor step back or a couple steps back from what Pitino, from what Tubby did. You know what's crazy though, Lou? If you if you look at the numbers, like Patino had, I think it was one one year over five hundred in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, Tubby never had a five hundred league. He had a couple five hundred. Dan Munson had two seasons over 500 and one season of five, at 500 in his seven years in seven years plus a few games. I mean, that, the numbers are kind of odd. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this though: um, it's a tall task to take over a, 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 a team like Minnesota. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is without question the hardest league in the country, right? Um, yes. Top to bottom, like top to bottom, they're good. You you can argue that Northwestern sucks or Rutgers sucks. By the way, Rutgers is in the, in the NCAA tournament. But like top to bottom, this league is good. There are no weak teams. Now, I'm not saying what Nate Oates did at Alabama is bad. It, it is not worthy of you know accomplishment and applause. But the SEC is not the Big Ten. Like there are some no. weak weak teams in the SEC. So I don't know. I, I, the Big Ten, the Big Ten is a tough league, but it's also one of the most heavily scouted leagues and one of the most talented leagues. It's a grinder league, mm-hmm. and when you were when you have to when teams scout when teams match up, you physically have to be able to beat that other team from a lot of different spots on the floor. Unfortunately, in my opinion, when you have a ball dominant point guard. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten is way too intelligent in how they defend, and and, it, and if you have a ball, if you only have a few a ball dominant option, as opposed to a full team of ball movement options, you you just you're, you're and then when you can't shoot like this year, oh my goodness! Yeah. And most of the time in the last fifteen years here, like when you can't shoot, you have an even bigger problem. And Minnesota just was never able to establish enough options to consistently win. Under Richard Pitino, there was times, there was positives, mm-hmm. there was some unlucky. But here we are, sitting in tw- 22 years, 22 years since Dan Munson took over that first year. We had six NCAA tournaments. When I left Seattle in 1999. By the way, I was there too. Years, I was there too. I was just yeah. in grade school. <laughs> never in a million years did I think they'd only have I'd be 43 years old. And they'd only have won two NCAA tournament games since then. Yeah. Let's let, let uh, one thing I want to touch on is 
Patino evolved as a coach. Do you do you remember the first year he came in and how they pressed? Yes. You just can't do that in the Big Ten. No, you can't. He learned. He, yeah, and he learned. I think the thing that he didn't learn was, you know, he, much like if you watch his dad's teams, th- they are run usually by a ball-dominant point guard, even Billy Donovan, well, to maybe a lesser extent. Um, but he just couldn't He couldn't get away from that. And I know that they say he's more like Billy Donovan than he is like his dad offensively, but, you know, the reality of the situation is, like they didn't get away from a ball talent point guard. And you're right. That is just too easy to defend in the big 10. They also just were not defensively. I just don't feel, I, I, I was never a big fan of the rotation. I I'm, I'm the type of person who feels your rota- rotations need to be for the most part consistent. Guys need to come in and know what they're going to give each night how much they're going to play in most circumstances. And I just don't agree in guys playing most of the game on every other, you know, most nights, obviously some nights you have to, some nights you need the full, you need a full effort from a guy and barely come off. But I don't agree with, you know, what we've seen with Mark's Curry playing the whole game. I don't care what happens mistake wise you're playing. Yeah. And we've and he's not the only one. We saw a lot of that from different guys. Mistakes happen. I'll be damned. You're still just going to play, and you're not coming off the floor. Yeah, it, and there was definitely when that happens, treatment. Guys get when when it happens. Guys take breaks. When guys happen, they take they take liberties on the defensive end. And I just feel there was too many liberties taken by guys that played so much, and it and it hurt the defense too often, way too often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I mean, there are obvious instances where, like, you know, Jordan Murphy, great player, really had lapses defensively at times. Same with Amir Coffey, same with Nate Mason. You know, these are the guys that they're kind of the headline guys, and they didn't get the tw- the quick trigger like, uh, you know, you know, I don't know who the example would be who's won. Well, right now, Isaiah Enan, right? Like, the, uh, the guy makes mistakes. There's no question about it, but he gets yanked almost immediately. Um, and just doesn't doesn't have the leash that a, that a Marcus Carr has right now. And I know that Marcus Carr is your best player, and I know there's that, but to a certain extent, yet yeah, it's like, how do you get a rhythm? I, I completely agree with you. You can see there's way too many guys you can look right in their face and see they had no confidence yeah. over the years off the bench. Gotch, Isaiah Enan. I mean, you could just, like, Brock Skull. You could look in their face, and you could see they didn't even want to, like, like they, did, they were so afraid. Michael Hurd. You can mm-hmm. see they were—they didn't want to make a mistake, or they were coming off. Meanwhile, you got guys making countless defensive mistakes, and it just never changes. And not—we're talking like we're, there's just so many pieces that we're putting together, and all these pieces result in two NCAA tournaments in eight years. That's not good enough, and that's the problem. And eight years in college basketball—that's enough time. Seven mm-hmm. years is enough time. Six years is probably enough time. If you know you're not getting what you need, go to the go to the next group. This isn't we're not talking about the NFL where they switch every other couple of years. This isn't the English Premier League where they have three coaches in one year for a top team. <laughs> College basketball are getting six years, man. Yeah. Minnesota. Unless you're like, unless Dan you're Munson, Indiana. Dan Munson had, but. Yeah. Dan Munson had eight years and he got fired early in the seventh year. He made one tournament. Like they've given him a lot of chances. Dan, Richard Patino's had eight years. He had two. He gets two tournaments. Should he have got another one here? Should he got another one there? For sure. Maybe Minnesota had a few more injuries than other people. Sure, they, maybe they did. But 
we need that much more injuries where we can just every year's and every like like three of the years are just excused. Yeah. No, you have to build depth. You have enough to have enough talent. We just then this never happened. Yeah, and, and the reality of the situation is I I wanted to believe in Richard Patino over and over again. You know, from a personality perspective, I'll admit I I liked the way he he was candid. I think he's going to be great in TV or media someday. Um, you know, he he often would say like nobody's going to feel sorry for you, and I actually truly sincerely believe that to a certain extent. Like he actually believes that. Um, but it, it, in the same respect, like at the end of the day, I think he, he knows it as well as anyone else. Like they had their opportunities and they just didn't execute. And you know, whether, whether there were shortcomings, um, whether there were injuries, whether they took risks on players and they didn't pan out, it is what it is. Right. And, and we, and we truly move on. We truly move on to finish this up before we start talking about some other candidates. Like was Richard Pertino good to listen to? He was, was he candid? He, He sure was. But on the flip side, like it doesn't, that doesn't mean like, like he should get extra chances. No, I mean, no, I'm not saying he, that. And I wanted I it to work though. That. I'm talking to a lot of other people. Okay, also, sure. He did like he did. He make some excuses here and there, not as much. But I can tell you this: there's a lot of people out there that are making excuses. You're hearing them make excuses for him. You know what I'm saying? Sure. All the injuries, all the luck, all like the recruiting. It doesn't have to be all Minnesota guys. All the Williams Arena. Dude, like, you think that those a lot of that stuff is just being crafted on their own? No, 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 no. That's coming from somewhere, man. That's coming from somewhere. Like, those are things that just weren't imagined, and those are excuses that are coming from from different places. Like, it's not Williams Arena's fault that they that they're not winning. It's it's not the fault that like no. people we just, like a lot of fans want them to Minnesota better, dude. That's like. You if they failed in Minnesota, they didn't recruit it strong enough. Sure, they got a few, they didn't get it enough. That's why you're sitting here. You know, yeah. there's just there's just there's just too many excuses floating around. The fact is, they didn't recruit well enough. The fact is, we're sitting here watching Selection Sunday again with no hope. We're watching other Minnesotans go on there. We're watching other, we're picking other teams to do things instead of watching the Gophers do it. That's a problem. Yeah, I don't know. You know that's and and uh, hold I hold on one more thing. Okay, one more thing. How many times did we hear? Him say we shoot too many threes. <laughs> and how many times did it ever change? No. Yeah. I mean, something that, like that's saying something to me right there. We're shooting too many threes. I we shouldn't can't be doing that. Possibly come out and shoot more and more and more threes. These guys obviously are not listening to what's being said, and that is a problem. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. When just to close out on the recruiting piece, like I'm not a you have to recruit everybody from Minnesota. I understand the argument. I think the fact of the matter is the you know the recruiting just hasn't been good enough, right? And I don't I I'm with you in the camp that you know sure you can you can think Williams Arena is a dump. There are some pretty unique dumps all over the country that teams do quite well the recruiting too i don't buy i don't buy that that's an excuse um you know they can't make the practice facility excuse anymore that obviously didn't change things right that's that's evidence enough for me that it's not facilities that are holding you back per se um you know that that that, if you're using that as excuse i'm sorry um as yeah it's it's not a good excuse it's not cutting and i'll tell you this i know enough college coaches i know who exactly to ask i can make a story tomorrow that says Williams Green is a damn cathedral from four random assistants, and then I could go find four more assistants and make an assist- I can make a story 
That's the Williams Arena is the reason they lose. You can do that easily. It's not that tough. Sure. Like, Williams Arena needs its upgrades. Williams Arena needs its upgrades. From a fan perspective, Williams for Arena, sure. Yeah. It, and at some point, maybe they need to turn that dang thing down, and I'll cry, and I'm going to wave, and I'll wipe my tears away, and then I'm going to be happy to go into a new building. Whatever happens, there happens. But until they have, <laughs> until they recruit the way they need to recruit, until they play the way they need to play, it's just not going to change. And like, Butler, Butler did just fine in their little little field house. Dude, mm-hmm. New Mexico plays in the pit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't follow New Mexico basketball tons, but they've been playing in the same pit for many years. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is the pit? What's the pit? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it is either. Um, but I'll, I'll just I'll just say that you know I don't buy that I don't buy that excuse. At the end of the day, I think there's two things that are kind of lacking um, for Patino. Uh, was one winning, and that's obvious. You you, you know, winning <laughs> begets you know recruiting to some extent, and then I think I think in, to some extent too, just just an identity. I think they just either picked the the wrong identity to match what you know guys wanted to go towards, or alternatively they just lacked an identity. Right? Um, I think it's more that they kind of picked the maybe the wrong identity to attract, and the relationship piece just didn't work. Uh, they just didn't no, build didn't the relationships. Work. Once again, third straight coach, Minnesota did just enough to me out of the bottom of the league most of the years, but for most of the time, they didn't do enough to be 500 let's, in the league. Like, here we are sitting, wait, wait, I think we talked about this before, like, the Minnesota Gopher basketball team is the king of the 40% winning percentage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, in that, they're in the tier above the crap, yeah. you know? I, I no. think I think the reality of the situation. I think you're kind of alluding into it with the Williams Arena talk, and and, and I am too. I think that at best this is a middle of the pack job in the Big Ten right now, just as is. Right, that's not a bad job. Right, that's still a top forty job in the country, if not even top yeah. thirty job in the country. That's still a really really good job. People shouldn't take that as a slight. You're talking about the best conference in the country, almost without question, right? And there are some really, really good jobs in this in this in this conference. So I think this is still a very attractive job. Um, you know, th- with with the money that comes in through the Big Ten Network, even though this is a pandemic, this is still a very very attractive job. It's definitely an attractive job. It's a Big Ten job. You're going to get paid pretty well to be here. You know, like. If like a lot of people have been talking about Eric Musselman, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but Eric Musselman, three point three million dollars, I believe. That would make him the fourth highest paid coach in the Big Ten. Okay, so that's that's kind of a reference of what that. I think Richard Pitino was in the eighth, ninth area at two point two ten mm-hmm. somewhere right there. That gives you an idea of what's paid in this league. Juwan Howard, by the way, makes two million. I think he's like second to last or third to last. Okay. Well, there's two million was this year. But anyway, like that's kinda it gets pay, it's paid well. And I'll tell you what else. Is it seventh, eighth, ninth job in the league? Whatever. It's seventh, eighth, and ninth. If but if somebody if somebody comes in here and wins, it pops up. They haven't been winning. Yeah, sure. Six tournaments, six NCAs in in, in twenty two years. You haven't been winning. Like you'd be lucky lucky that somebody sell uh, somebody says it's seventh, eighth, ninth best job in this league based on the fact that you you know, every like the team is in the NCAA tournaments one every four years. Yeah. Maybe one every three if we're lucky. 
yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, we don't need to go through how we would rank those how we'd rank those teams, but let's just look. Um, let's just look at you know who might be candidates. Um, there's obviously you know the Star Tribune has kind of put their rubber stamp on what they'd like to see in in a coach. Um, they obviously you know there's obviously improvements the athletic department needs needs to make. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I don't think anybody would dispute that. They they ran their story. Um, and I'm curious to see how this will unfold. How do you think that plays a pretty big role in how they're going to hire? Actually, though, I, I don't know if I do buy that. Well, what I think they will do is they'll look at their pool of candidates. They're going to inter- they're going to interview candidates of multi cultures, mm-hmm. and then they're going to pick the person that they feel is best fit for the job. University of Minnesota very soon needs to get back to having more color head coaches. Oh, color, for sure. Uh, no, co- head coaches no question. of color yeah. in their university. I mean, I was their coach. Hassan's the head coach. Sure, little John was, was the uh, women's basketball coach. Unfortunately, I paid attention to nothing else besides football and basketball. So I could tell you what was what, who was coaching everywhere else on campus. John Anderson, I think, Doug Luke. There needs to be... It needs to be improved, yeah. without a doubt. Now, as far as will that be the hire, I don't think that puts the stamp on it will be. What I think you're going to see is candidates of multi-cultures being looked at. Now, we put our list together, and mm-hmm. I think what I would like for you to do, Luke, <laughs> is soft, just throw some of those candidates up at me and let me... Let me let me knock them at him. Let me knock at him. Knock, knock, knock at him. Up at me, and we'll and we'll talk about it. Now, first of all, I'm not going to give away the farm. This is Silver Illustrated. Yeah, is where part of the, where the bread is buttered. Yeah. Therefore, a lot of the in-depth information goes in there. But y'all have been listening to us talk for 45 minutes <laughs> without speaking of coaching candidates. They deserve to have treats. Yeah. So yes, we'll give you some treats. All right. I, I I'll I'll go off. Um, Guys, I'm thinking of, I'm not even going to look at your article. Um, you know, hot names right now nationally, Dennis Gates. Okay, so Dennis Gates was up for Penn State. They went to Micah Shrewsbury, who, by the way, was a go- one of the guys the Gophers were looking at and yeah. were hoping to interview, but he took Penn State job. Um, he did, uh, Dennis Gates not get Boston College because the College Charleston guy didn't, a big surprise. So Dennis Gates is in his second year at Cleveland State. He's a guy that will be well, maybe the first interview, if, if one of the first interviews, if not the first interview at the University of Minnesota. Um, I expect him to look very hard at the DePaul job, and now Iowa State is open. You have to wonder if he won't be a name there as well. Mm-hmm. Dennis Gates. All Dennis right. Gates was described to me today as a close to the vest, no nonsense, tough. Hard-working coach. Hmm. I like it. Okay, um, next one. Let's uh, let's let's stay um, in the kind of the Cleveland area. Um, this one I find humorous that people are throwing out. Um, tell me if this guy would take any Big Ten job. JB Bickerstaff. JB Bickerstaff has been living the NBA <laughs> lifestyle of luxury. <laughs> Since I've last seen his face, uh, like yeah. JB Bickerstaff loves the NBA lifestyle. Yeah, 
like you go to big hotels, you eat great food, you 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 know you coach your team, you you scout them up. He's making like four million bucks. Like he's not going to take a big job. He's had the man had money from when we were kids at on campus. You know, dad's Bernie Bricker's bad. He had the the man's had the NBA. He's been in the NBA, living the NBA lifestyle since he was. Like, was he even in the NBA? The dude is an NBA guy. Get past it. Okay. Um, let's let's get a little bit more realistic. Sorry, I, had, I, I know that's a kind of a waste of time, but I, I think it's just funny that that name gets thrown around. Um, let's let's stay, you know, close to the program um, out west with Brian Dutcher. Um, Brian Dutcher has a legit interest in coming back here. We all know Jim Dutcher. Jim Dutcher still lives in Minnesota. He lives in Edina. Jim Dutcher, um, he's getting older. Brian Dutcher has a legit interest in being by his father and being by his sister who lives in Minneapolis. He has a very legit interest in doing that. Now, Brian Dutcher hasn't recruited a player out of Minnesota in 35 years. I have been watching recruiting. I've been going to gyms for 17 years, high school and AAU. I've, barely, I've never seen him at a Minnesota game. I've rarely ever seen him at all, even out west. Mm-hmm. Like, Brian Dutcher has done a great job at San Diego State these four years. He's helped Steve Fisher build a nice program out there. But as far as Minnesota goes, I there's a lot of Twin Cities media talking about Brian Dutcher being the guy. I dug into that today in terms of I dug into that today in terms of is he really the main guy? And I think their sources that they are getting this from aren't quite as firm as it needs to be to say he's the main guy. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe that changes. Brian Dutcher's a good coach. He's 61 years old and he hasn't coached in Minnesota, hasn't really done anything in Minnesota in a long time. If he's named the head coach, they're a good coach. They're a good coach and people should be happy. But there are some concerns there in terms of the recruiting aspect of it all with the connections and such. All right. Because Mark Coyle, it's better been known. He wants his coaches to be guys who sell. Sell yeah. the programs, sell the recruits, sell the fans, sell the everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk real quickly about, um, how about Nico Medved, and a former, um, a former uh, uh, oh boy, I'm totally blanking on a student manager like yourself. Yes, Nico is actually his last year was the year before I, I got one of the first things I ever did with basketball was join Nico Medved and Brent Haskins to go watch, I believe it was Nick Horvath um, when he was younger. I remember going to watch with Nico and Nico, and I remember saying Nico was getting into coaching, and he was at Furman with Larry Davis as an assistant not too much longer than that. Nico Medved, we are told, is one of the, the top three, four guys that they are going to consider for the job. Nico Medved has recruited very well at the places he's been at. Um, but the biggest thing I would say is he beat out Richard Pitino and Chris Collins, Minnesota Northwestern, for David Roddy to bring him to Colorado State. Big Ten offers, he goes to Colorado State, won by Nico Medvin and Dave Thorson. That's the type of thing that they've, he's done well. He's turned programs around. Now, now he has to figure out how to get past Utah State and San Diego State in the future. All right, so I guess let's stay in the Mountain West. Talk, um, uh, talk, talk about Craig Smith. Craig Smith, three years in the Mountain West, three years in the Mountain West championship game, 
Two times he's won it. Three times they qualified for the NCAA tournament. Last year they didn't play in it. This year, uh, last year they didn't play in it, but they qualified. They'll be playing against Texas Tech this week. Uh, everywhere Craig Smith's been, he's won. He won a. He took South Dakota. They won a Summit Division championship from USD. Like that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You know, he won. He took Mayville State to the national championship. You know, Craig Smith has recruited very well. At South Dakota, he recruited very well in the mm-hmm. Northern Sun when he was coaching there, and he just this last year he got a top 150 uh, center from Poland um, to commit to Utah to commit to Utah State. You look in the 2020 rankings, can't remember if it's 24 seven top 150 or the composite 150 by 145 in the nation. You will see a guy going to Utah State. He has shown he can recruit. He can show he can show him that he can win. You know that's. And he's from Minnesota, and he's been recruiting Minnesota for many years. So that's why he's one of the things. Dude, he was on the Indiana list today. Really? Yes. Which can can we just pause on the Indiana thing re- real quick here? They just like where do they find boosters that are going to basically cover a ten million dollar buyout? Like, honest to goodness, where are these guys coming from? Oh, that's got to be some serious money. And I know for the, I, I guess I I don't know for a fact, but. Mark Cuban's on the record as saying he doesn't support buyouts, so it can't be him. So who who's got that kind of capital to be able to do that? I don't know, man. Like I tell you what, if you went out to Lake Minnetonka, you were like, who's got the capital to do this? And you looked at all those homes out there. It's like the, if Lake Minnetonka was in Indiana, you could probably find five dudes to, to point to five houses from your boat. They're like, oh, that guy will do it. That guy will do it. They just in Minnesota, they don't have the boosters to do that type of thing here. But Indiana, the boosters there are nuts. The yeah. fan numbers are nuts. They're Indiana site, peak.com. Like, the amount of people they employ and the money they make off that website is insane. Like, the fan base there is absolutely bonkers, even though they've been beyond irrelevant for so long. Yeah, I don't know, man. They 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 are interesting. Okay, let's let's go um let's go south of the border. Someone I've kept an eye on. I, I watched their team fairly closely for a while. Um, ben Jacobson down at Northern Iowa. His name's come up time and time again. Um, he's built a pretty solid program uh, down at Northern Iowa. Um, the the only time I interacted with uh, Richard Patino, I saw him in Seattle. I gave him a high five um, out on the street because I was wearing a gopher sweatshirt. And he said he yelled something like, hey, Minnesota. No, his brother yelled, hey, Minnesota, at me. And I gave him a high five. And we watched Northern Iowa, I believe, in one, if not two games there at Key Arena. That, I think, was uh, his first season with the Gophers. Um, yeah, ra- random story. Ben <laughs> uh, know, he's a, he's a North Dakota slash Minnesota guy. Um, he has he had interest in it. Fortunately, Northern Iowa's had a few rough years lately, and because of those rough years, his names kind of fell out of consideration for a lot of big jobs. But Northern Iowa had a lot of talent. Um, I would be surprised to see them succeed with Trey Burhow and I'd healthy AJ Green, who missed almost, missed the entire season this year. Um, when they get all their guys healthy, Nathan Easy from Lake City down there too. Like. They they're going to be pretty dang good this year though they had three they had three the top three ball handlers they lost their top three ball handlers this year and well we all in Minnesota remember it was like when Devoe Josephs and Al Nolan were gone yeah like you right. lose all your ball handlers you're in trouble okay uh, let me think of some other names I'm kind of going off the top of the head um, I know Anthony Grant's been talked about previously he's he's now at Dayton I believe. 
Um, this is another. This is another guy uh, in the uh, Norwood tree or Norwood Teague tree of success. Um, any any interest there? Uh, they have had interest in him. They would love for him. They would probably love for him to be their coach. It was his name was brought up last year. His name was brought up with Norwood Teague. His name would be brought up this year, but he ain't going anywhere. I don't think you see him, Anthony Grant, go anywhere until that Florida job opens it up. If it opens up, I'm not a Florida basketball mind to know when that may or may not happen, but I don't see him going anywhere for a while. Okay. And he's, they've shown interest and he just thanks for no thanks. Okay. I'll be, I'll be real honest here. I don't think this is realistic, but I'm still going to, I'm still going to bring it up. Um, This is a coach that's been, I've told you this numerous times um, via text message in private. I have, uh, I have a few basketball coaches that if I could pick to, you know, to coach any of my teams ever, um, these guys would be on my list. And one of them is John Beeline. I love John Beeline as a coach. Um, I recognize he made some mistakes in the NBA um, with some things he said that didn't resonate particularly well with players. Um, but from a pure basketball perspective, I have the utmost respect for him. I don't know. I don't know him personally in any way, shape or form. Haven't inter- ever interacted with him. I don't know anything about his character, but from a basketball perspective, he is on the top of my list um, as one of the guys all time. So where does John Beeline, an, an, an elder statesman of college basketball? John Beeline is 68 going on 69 years old. John Beeline, when he, if, if he coaches again, he's going to require a hefty salary. Minnesota's not going to be able to give him that hefty salary. And based on what reason he left the Cavaliers, I'd be shocked if he all of a sudden became a target of the University of Minnesota. Yeah. All right. Um, what about what about guys like like let let's talk Eric Musselman and Nate Oates, guys they would have been we they would have been connected to last year. Like I'm I'm gonna be honest, Nate Oates isn't in my all time list of guys I want to coach my team. But you know what they were able to accomplish last year. Like, what about these two? No, Nate Oates is a hot name right now. He's I believe he's from Wisconsin actually, and he might be the guy that has a wife from Minnesota and he's from Wisconsin or something like that. They're from the area somewhat. Um, but Nate Oates, Nate Oates' next job is going to be if he has the next job. Alabama's got some money down there. If they really want the basketball program, it's a team, a boatload. Yeah. Um, but, like, that depends if they want to. If he was to leave there, I don't think he's coming to Minnesota. Yeah. Now, Eric mm-hmm. Musselman is – Eric Musselman – if you've been listening to the Twin Cities talk about Eric Musselman, Eric Musselman's name has probably been brought up for the Gopher job more than any other name when it comes to mainstream media. Not Gopher Illustrated. Not yeah. Gopher Illustrated where our sources are telling us the main three are Dennis Gates, Nico Medved, and Craig Smith with Brian Dutcher right there behind him. That's what our sources say. But if you talk to the mainstream media, they both top talking about Eric Musselman. Here's the deal. Eric Musselman is getting $3.3 million a year. That He's really getting him, that like much money? Earlier, yes. Wow. That's what I, that would make him third or fourth in the Big Ten. Like, do you think Minnesota's all of a sudden going to pony that up? Okay, so then people are saying, well, it's not that hard, it's not that hard. Okay, you're going to pay him more money, first of all. Second of all, they're about to get a contract extension. Okay, they're about to get a contract extension. Third, I've been told specifically today, and I've been told if he leaves for Arkansas, his wife's from out west. He's going. His next job is probably going to be out west, not in Minnesota, out west. Now, with Eric Musselman, there's a few other things 
reasons that this ain't going to happen. Not something I'm going to get into here, but I'm going to tell you, between the money, between where his wife is from and where they probably would like to be, and where, and some of the other factors that are also major factors here, it's not feasible. It's not going to happen. Like, if you focus on just one thing, the money, maybe it could happen, but it's, that's, it's more than money. It's money, it's location, it's situation, it's how he goes about things, mm-hmm. it's all of that. It's not going to sit at the University of Minnesota. It's just not. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, to what I think Eric Muscle would be a great gopher basketball coach, he's sure as damn well what? He's a great coach. He's also a freaking demanding coach. Not just the coaches around him, or not just the players, the coaches around him, the other people around him, everybody around him. Very demanding. Mm-hmm. Overly demanding. And it's just, there's just so much to that situation. It's just the pieces don't fit. And you can't force the pieces to fit. Yeah. All right, so here here's some off the wall names that I'm just coming with coming up with off the top of my head here. Um, Steve Alford. Steve Alford. <laughs> no. Wait, are you trying to take a trip around the whole thing? Uh, wait a minute. Wait. So yeah, you know, yeah, no. I thought I'd maybe catch you off guard there. No. Um, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't really have any other names. You got any others that I, I haven't hit on? Um, I'm not. Gonna, know, I'm not going to throw out Sam Mitchell. That is so ridiculous. I just don't see uh, it happening. I, it's just Sam has put his name out there, and people have grabbed onto it. Yeah, it's not happening. You know, Trent Tucker, not happening. Yeah. You know, like, like Ryan Saunders, not happening. You no, know, it, it, it's just do those you, things aren't going to happen. I think a better question is: Do you think Ryan Saunders ever coaches in college? I don't think so. No, I just don't. I don't think people understand how much the NBA people enjoy the NBA lifestyle. Now, you have seen people go back and forth, and I'm talking like the guys that are NBA life, lifers. A lot of them just really stick there. Luke Jawan Howard has been fantastic for Michigan. He'll be in the NBA soon again. I do not see Jawan Howard there in five Michigan in five years. No. That dude is an NBA guy, and he's going to be in the NBA. That's the way it is. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have any others. Um, I, I do want to do this so real quickly. I, I'm, I, I, I pitched this to you before we started chatting. I want your all Richard Patino team, and I'll give you my all Richard Patino team, and a little spin Luke. on this. Yeah. Luke, if we're doing our due diligence, we got to bring up Moser from Loyola Scott. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But he's not going to leave with the talent he has right now. Like, he's well, going to have a real run next year, right? Moser is like Moser. If Moser was to leave this year, it would be from, it would be like something that he can't miss on because he's getting paid very well at Loyola right now. He's going to have a very good team next year. He has a very good team right now. Mm-hmm. They have a chance to make win some games this year. Mm-hmm. But his team next year will be even better. Yeah. Now, I've heard DePaul's going to make a run at him. I, I've i heard that that's not going to entice him. Um, maybe Indiana throws $8 million at him. I don't know. But I don't see him going unless it's the right, right, right situation. Because... I think DePaul goes after Dennis Gates. I've heard that I've actually, I reported this in Gold Illustrated today. I've heard Den, the job that Dennis Gates is shooting for right now is DePaul, the main one. Oh, hmm. I've also heard that Minnesota's the other one. But 
they just hired an AD from Kentucky, and that Kentucky AD knows Kenny Payne really well. Kenny Payne was an assistant at Kentucky for 10 years. Mm. There's the Knicks right now. I've heard Kenny Payne's a favorite to Paul John. So, but Moser is such a good coach. If they could get Moser this year, dude, the Gover fans should be happy. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, let's, let's, okay. I pitched it already. Let's do our all Richard Patino teams. Um, I want you to pick um, a starting five. I want you to pick two guys, or I want you to pick one guy that came off the bench, maybe didn't start, maybe only, or maybe only started one year. Um, and then I want you to pick an assistant coach. And I think we both will pick the same assistant coach. So um, I'll let you go first. No, are we picking? Can we pick the same players, or do we have? Do you have to pick? Do you, you want to? Do you want to draft? So, you, you, how yeah, about yeah, go draft because yeah. we're gonna have the exact same team. Yeah, that's that's fair. Okay, so you get. I'll give you first pick, then I get two in a row, then you get the next two, and we'll go like that. And so we'll start with we'll start with starting five. Starting five. Okay, so I will go. I, I and this is, I'm going as an honorary selection here more than I am anything else like he may not be the throw the guy playing for the NBA team, but Jordan Murphy is an all timer. I want Jordan Murphy as my power forward. Okay. So you got Murphy. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take coffee and I'm going to take Oturu because I know how much you love Minnesotans and that's just going to make you mad. Dude, I didn't realize you got to take two. That yeah. was unfair. Oh, come Damn. on. <laughs> Man, all right. So I, you get, I you, get two. you get two now. I get, I get so I'm gonna go Nate Mason. So I have Nate Mason and Jordan Murphy. And since I need, let's see, I have my point guard and I have my power forward. I want a defender, and because he played for Richard Pitino. For one year, I get Austin Hollins. Mm, I like it. Okay, so I have two more. Let's see. I have a center, and I have a guard forward. I'm going to take... Um, uh, I don't want to take Marcus Carr, but I probably should. So I'll take Marcus Carr. And then you might think I'm crazy, but I'm take Brandon Johnson. That dude's been good. Take Brandon Johnson. So I get to finish up with two my my last two. Yeah, I need a center, and I'm going to take. Liam Robbins over Reggie Lynch because Reggie Lynch had issues. Mm-hmm. So I want to take Liam Robbins as my center next to Jordan Murphy. And I need someone to put the ball in the bucket. Like, I, I love Austin Hollins. Nate Mason put the ball in the bucket, but I want to put Andre Hollins next to Austin Hollins with Nate Mason, Jordan Murphy, and Liam Robbins. That's my team. Okay. I, I like Andre. Um, I have Marcus Carr. Um, my team's not going to play great defense, but I'm I'm going to take Dupree McBrayer. So I have to take a guy. That's your sixth man. 
No, Dupree McBride was my starting five. So so you ended up with Murphy, Mason, Austin, oh, yeah, Hollins, okay. um, Leah Robbins, Andre Hollins. I got Coffee or Two, Carr, Johnson, Dupree. So you can take a yeah, take a take a sixth man, preferably someone coming off the bench, but it, it that might be kind of hard. So whatever you want to do. Well, I'm gonna take. I have enough ball handlers with Nate Mason and Andre Hollins. I need another wing, and I need a. I want two wing stoppers in Austin, and then my other wing stopper is gonna be Gabe Kelcher. Yeah, so that's my. I, sixth I man. wanted to. And, t- I want like I. I was trying. I was debating between Dupree and Gabe. And yeah, you got Gabe. Dang. Good pick. Um, and then let's see. Last for me. Um, hmm. You know, I, this might sound crazy. I'm gonna. T- I am. I am going to take. Um. Oh man, I'm totally blanking on his name. Um. Uh, Akeem Springs. I'll take Akeem Springs. All right. So then my big man off the bench is Mo Walker. That's good. Um, let's see. My my big guy off the bench. Off the bench. I am going to take um, often injured, but I'm going to take Eric Curry. So my team. Is Nate Mason, Andre Hollins, Austin Hollins, Jordan Murphy, and Liam Robbins. And off the bench, I have Mo Walker and Gabe Kelsher. And I got Coffee, Oturu, Carr, Brandon Johnson, Dupree McBrayer, Akeem Springs, and freshman year Eric Curry. There you go. All right. And then my assistant coach. Yeah, who's 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 coaching your squad? Dang it, you took Ben Johnson. So I have to pick someone else. Um Um, I'll take Ed Conroy. I can I couldn't. I couldn't take Dan McHale. Never was a fan. So I'll take. I'll take Ed Conroy. Oh, there you go. There you go. Kind of fun. If you um, if you listen to the episode and you're a Gopher Illustrated member, um, put together your list. Let's see it. And I'll I'll go check them out and see it. You didn't have to draft, obviously, um, but yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, any parting thoughts, Mister Mister James? I think we are going to. It's going to be after the NCAA tournament, first or second round, when we hear the new coach. I'm guessing that the next few days we will hear the new New Mexico coach. And I think it's going to be Richie Patino. There's some Patino, Rick Patino connections at uh, New Mexico. I think we'll see it, and I hope he does well there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like we hope that Tubby would do well. Texas Tech, he had some moments there, and he was at Memphis and High Point. And then Dan Munson, we'd always hope Dan would do well at Long Beach. And I think, Jeepers, he's been coaching there now for 14 years. Yeah. He's had a long run. That's a great location to be. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, good. Wish them well. And I think the next time we have a conversation, we'll talk about a new head coach. Yeah, I think that would be I think that would be fun. Um, 
you know, going into uh, a new coaching search um, is always interesting. And I, you know, they don't sponsor the podcast, but I am going to advocate for you. Um, check out Gopher Illustrated. Ryan and Ryan do a great job. Ryan Burns' basketball takes are weak at best. Um, and I like, to give him, <laughs> I like to give him a hard time about that all the time. And he currently has been messaging me nonstop to ask me to ask my wife, who happens to be an attorney, to read some some language and I'm sure Richard Patino's contract. So I need to get back to him. Um, but do check out what, the, what those guys are doing. Um, it's really good stuff. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, obviously, go to Gopher Illustrated. Vote for my vote for my all Patino team. I would appreciate it greatly. Um, I need an ego boost these days. So, <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Go Gophers. <laughs>